welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly, the show where we chat some sports, the show where we chat some entertainment, and then we put it all together, chat some sports entertainment. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. A little bit late this week, but better late than never. We just saw some history in sports, Boris. The, the first ever, I believe, combined no-hitter in the Major League Baseball playoffs. I don't think it ever happened in the playoffs before. Um, let's go with it until proven wrong otherwise. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of it. I can't think of it, right? I know that there have been no-hitters. I know they didn't dock do one, but I don't know if there's ever been yeah. a combined. Yeah, I don't think so in the playoffs. I just went through because I think I, I just read an article. I don't know how old it was, but uh, it, it was uh, the 18 combined no-hitters in Major League Baseball history. And I scroll through, there was not a playoff game in there. So I don't know, maybe they just didn't include the playoffs. Who knows? I am 90% sure. We're going to go with it. How you doing today, big homie? Pretty good, pretty good. It's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, we've talked, what, 14 hours ago. Here we are again. How was, my day went well, my friend. Honestly, I'm so busy with the day job. Uh, but like, again, like I always say, and I continue to say, it's been a very good busy uh, that's leading into the holiday season. Um, but only a couple more weeks of work and then I'm going to take like a huge, just, just a shit ton of time off. And I'm really looking forward to that. Nice, man. Yeah, I definitely earned it. That'll be great. Like two months off, basically. Good for you though, homie. Yeah. I, I honestly can't wait. Um, you know, like we said, this episode is coming a little late. But uh, I think you said it best, better late than never. Uh, had some stuff happen on Sunday night, Monday morning. You can listen to the Raw review uh, to get all the details on that. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't it was like, again, I'm going to say it. I am fine. You know, I don't even know what happened, to be 100% honest. Like, never got confirmation exactly what it was. Uh, but it was just more just, I was, ex- I, I was exhausted, was hoping to get some sleep gone home and uh, things kind of just uh you know i think that's when it hit like what happened that night i was just you know pretty much exhausted but uh you know this and and it just goes to show you like how busy we uh we are it's like i'm so scheduled on things right now that like it's just trying to find that perfect window for us to like do something at the same time and it's just like yeah it just goes to show you why monday sunday night monday morning works best for us to do bam yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, wrap up of the week too, and I, I like I like doing it at the the start of the week rather than in the middle of the week. But yeah, I mean, shit happens, literally, man. So don't worry about it. And uh, it gave me more time to really sink my teeth into my list this week, so I'm okay with things. Yeah, exactly. So that that's very good because we do have a list coming at you on the wrestling side. It's actually a relatively wrestling heavy episode we're going to be chatting some new japan in new york city we're going to be chatting some impact like we do each and every week and then we are going to be chatting the top x bray wyatt matches yes 15 i i got to 15 uh bray wyatt matches so far in his career we're going to give you a top 15 bray wyatt matches some people say he's a terrible wrestler some people say he's awesome i don't know if i could say he's great after going through the list he is he does have some awesome moments but uh he's he's quite often 
part of a multi-man match, a six-man tag, a ladder match, an elimination chamber, and he stands out that way. So and we'll get into the finer points of the spookiest member of the WWE roster in just a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I love the list, love all the work that you do on those and you know, uh, again, you know, we try to do as many lists as possible, but it just takes a lot of your time. And I'm a fan of taking all the credit and letting you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, buddy. Love it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so we got that going on in terms of sports. I know we're a little late, but uh, let's just get right into it. But be- right before that, actually, there's some housekeeping items on the SNME side. So if you're coming to us from the BAM feed, Go over, join SNME, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash SNME radio. You get so many shows, all the shows, including after party Zoom links where you can be part of the show. Get your voice heard. Uh, That's probably the the biggest uh, perk outside of getting every show that we do produce. So what's going on with SNME? We got the crown jewel aftercast. It's not an after party. It's a podcast after the fact. An aftercast, uh, so that's going to be coming at you Saturday afternoon, right after the show. Uh, we will be coming back November eighteenth for the AEW after party for sorry for the after party for AEW Full Gear on November eighteenth. That's going to be happening. It's going to be Joe and Dan more than most likely on that one. Uh, then a, only a week later, we have. The WWE Survivor Series after party, that's also on a Saturday. Uh, So, you know, if you're a Patreon, you'll be able to get the Zoom link and be part of those shows. And Matt, I guess we might as well start talking about this behind the scenes, but I, I have been asked by some members... We will figure out exactly what we're going to do for December 10th, because on December 10th, there is a ROH pay-per-view in the afternoon. Then in the evening, there is an NXT premium live event. So two pay-per-views, two big shows on Saturday, December 10th. We'll see what we do for those shows. Hey, maybe we'll do an after party and combine both shows. We'll see exactly what happens. Or we do two aftercasts. One aftercast and an after party. We'll see exactly what's going on um, on December 10th. Uh, so uh, we'll see. It's also a crazy day just because I have tons of commitments with Slam already on that day. Hell, even on Survivor Series. I'm already triple booked that day or double booked that day. Uh, it's, my, it's my birthday just a few days before. So friends want to do something. Family wants to do something. So I got to figure that bad boy out very soon. In terms of the year-end best and worst of 2022, we're very close to sending things out. It is super early. I will be sending stuff out in November just so that you can at least see the ballot. Um, and we're just testing out what platform is going to be used. Talked about that on the Raw review. Uh, like I said, I'm leaning towards Google Forms uh, just because it's it's easy to use and it's free. Love free. All right. And, you know, we're always trying to improve you know, the content. We're always trying to give you, the, the listeners, what you want, giving you the best bang for your buck, especially for the patrons. Uh, so I think over the next few months leading into 2023, we're going to be discussing what the Patreon is going to look like, what the free shows are going to look like, which shows are behind the paywall, how we're going to be conducting after parties. So there may be some changes coming in 2023. We'll see. As of right now, everything is staying the same. But, you know, 
I've been messaging some members. I've been talking to people, seeing what they want to see, um, you know, seeing non-patrons, what it would take to get them to be a patron. Uh, So if you do have feedback, send me a message. Best way to do that is uh, via Facebook Messenger, funny enough. Um, And you can uh, just send me a direct message that way. But we'll see exactly what's going on here in SNME. Uh, Because, again, like I say, just trying to give you the best bang for your buck, uh, giving you you the best content uh, for your time. Nice. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said, buddy. Just to clean something up, Saturday, November 19th is full gear. Saturday, November 26th is uh, the Survivor Series. And also Saturday, November 5th, coming up right away, WWE Crown Jewel, Saudi Mania. So, yeah, lots going on. Yeah. So... Saudi Mania, that's going to be an interesting one just because of all the others. We'll we'll quickly touch on that on the wrestling side. Uh, In terms of sports, my friend, let us just quickly. We are a day away from week nine kicking off, literally, because it's a kickoff in football. So let's talk some week eight. Let's do a quick recap of week number eight. We finally, finally had a half-decent Thursday game. (laughs) <laughs> it's about damn time. Yeah, man. Uh, we got to we got to talk about the Miami Dolphins, uh, but we can get there. Yeah, the NFL is rolling along week eight. Uh, what was the Thursday game? Sorry, I have Ravens Buccaneers. Forget it. Was that a decent game? Was it was it? a decent game. Well, you know, anytime you see Tom Brady lose days, hours before he gets divorced. Thumbs up. <laughs> I'm Fair enough, yeah. Ravens, no, you're not. Ravens win 27-22. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tom Brady and the whole divorce thing. I don't know. It, eventually, see, the, the, the funny thing about uh, Tom Brady is anytime you're like, oh, I, I think he's done. People, are you really going to bet against Tom Brady? Are you really going to bet against Tom Brady? No. At some point, you bet for father time. That's what you're betting on. You know what I mean? I Father time, as far as I know, is undefeated. And perhaps this is the year where he's finally knocked out Tom Brady. Yep. Uh, look, at 45, I don't even want to see what shape I'm going to be in. <laughs> yeah, let's hope uh, we fucking all make it to 45. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 10 years, that's 10 years for me. Oh, geez. The world might not even be here in 10 years. But anyway, yeah, the, we had the Pennsylvania Bowl. The Eagles stomped the Steelers. Steelers look like they're focusing on the number one draft pick. Look like they're tanking for Victor Wembenyama. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 49ers vindicating my love. They smashed the Rams this week. The Browns are a football team again. They beat the Bengals, and they're getting Deshaun Watson very soon. He might start his first game against the Texans his former team, which uh, would be interesting if he wasn't a complete piece of shit. Uh, Dolphins beat the Lions. This is a fun week. Yeah. Also, we had all of these Sunday morning football, the Broncos beating the Jaguars 21 to 17. That was a uh, not a good game to watch. No, it certainly was not. And then the Broncos went and traded arguably their best defensive player, one of the best defensive players, Bradley Chubb, to the Miami Dolphins. That's a huge trade for Miami because Miami is a very good team with a bad pass rush. They really struggled getting uh, pressure on the quarterback, and that's exactly what Bradley Chubb does. That's what he does well. So uh, he fills a massive need for Miami. And Miami's looking like one of the four or five best teams in the AFC. 
Yeah, they're they're in the wild card, the first wild card spot right now um, in the AFC. So that's uh, that's actually pretty huge. Um, I've been super busy this week, so I haven't done too much research. Is are the rumors true? Was Russell Wilson almost traded this week? There's no way because nobody, honestly, quite no, frankly, nobody would want him. Exactly. Well, I guess with the other question, I guess the better way to phrase that question is: It was. Denver looking to offload him. Oh, I'm sure actually. I I because they're if they could get even half of what they traded back for him at this point, I think they would do it. But they traded so much for him and they're so pot committed. He signed for longer than you'd want for a lot of money. I think they're just screwed. They just have to kind of eat it. Yep, exactly. Uh 49ers beat Rams 31 to 14. Rams, I don't know, man. They're not looking too good. Uh yeah, the the they're just their offense looks horrible. Uh, you know, Packers getting decimated by the Bills. The score wasn't as bad as it seemed, but the game was not good at all for Green Bay. Bills wrapping that one up, twenty-seven to seventeen. You already talked about the Browns Bengals on Monday, so that was essentially weak. But like you know, one thing that I've I've noticed in the NFL in general, and I wanted to spring this up on you, the O line. What has happened to the O-lines in the NFL? Like, no quarterback is being protected this year. Well, uh, okay, I shouldn't I, say I no. I shouldn't say no quarterback, but there are a lot of teams with less than stellar O-lines. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a combination of two things. It's, it's a hard it, – it's like becoming a lost art in a way. Uh a, B, there are penalties such as holding just general physicality that doesn't get called or that that didn't get called in the olden days that gets called a lot more now. You can't be gouging eyes. You can't be doing all this dirty stuff that maybe used to happen a little bit in the trenches, right? So I think coaching is such athletes are such that uh yeah it's just getting harder and harder to find high quality offensive linemen and then when you do find one keeping them healthy for 17 weeks yeah that that, that that's a whole other that's a whole other mess there the other thing i wanted to bring up to you was this past week was uh the trade deadline and we talked about this a little bit a few times here and there but the nfl growing up for me at least even though we're we're only like what two three years apart, but like um, you know, it's just for me growing up the NFL. I've been watching it literally since I can remember. I've been watching it longer than wrestling, for God's sake. Um, people would never move teams. I know that this was a huge thing when the NFLPA really got into uh, power, uh, where where free agency became a thing. But even then, it was rare that people would move. Like, I remember in the early 90s, uh, uh, Montana, like, moving teams when he went from San Francisco to Kansas City was a huge deal, right? Um, when, 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 yeah, like, there, there are other cases like that. But it was very rare. But I'm just finding now, it's just like every other sport. Everyone's up for grabs. Everyone could be moved. And this trade deadline kind of proved that. It's it, This is the craziest NFL trade deadline I've ever ever seen and it was up there with like the hockey trade deadline the baseball trade deadline the nba trade deadline it was insane watching some of these moves happen 
And we said the same thing last year, too. The NFL trade deadline has really cooked up a lot. Like uh, the Miami Dolphins, we mentioned, that's probably the biggest trade, them getting Bradley Chubb. They also traded for running back Jeff Wilson from the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, they got good players on both sides of the ball. We saw Canadian receiver Chase Claypool go from the Steelers to the Bears. All kinds of crazy deals. Minnesota Vikings made a deal getting a tight end from within their own division, Detroit's tight end. So that was pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, man, it is it is crazy to see. It's I think we said this last year, but uh football has arguably surpassed the NHL, which used to be the best trade deadline. But now NHL GMs are scared to take risks. That's not just a thing that a fan says. Like there have been studies on that. Like NHL GMs are way more risk adverse now than they were in the eighties and nineties. So as anyway. Put, as soon as you put a salary cap. You know, you have to think two, three times before you make any decision because you have to think about how it's going to affect your 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 AAV. Yeah, yeah, it's a thousand percent right. And the salary cap is quite restrictive in hockey. I think they should raise it by like ten million dollars at least. Yeah, like it's crazy when you see how much a hockey player gets paid a year versus any other sport. Yeah, even like in in the days of Sakic and Yager, which is like, what, 15, 20 years ago now, their primes, they were making as much or more than some of the stars now, which is just wild to think of considering inflation and everything else. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's just crazy. Like, I know we do talk about it. We have talked about it like two or three times before, but like this this week with the trade deadline in the NFL, it was it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Um, all right, let's talk week nine. We are officially hitting the halfway point of the season. Week nine of 18. The Thursday nighter could potentially be good. Potentially will be a slobber knocker. Most likely will be a slobber knocker. Eagles Texans. When you say slobber knocker, it sounds like a close, hard fought game. This is where we'll be okay, a slobber knocker. I should say a raffle stomp. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're getting closer. There you go, buddy. Yeah, the Eagles should absolutely fucking destroy the Texans. It would be a humongous upset if the undefeated Eagles lost to the Houston Texans or even didn't kill them. Yep. All right, let's quickly run through the Sunday games. We've got Colts Patriots. Ah, uh, yeah, again, like the Patriots are looking pretty good on defense. The Colts look like garbage. They have what? What's this L ringer? Who's their quarterback now? I, I don't even know. It's like Steve L ringer or something. It's it's us. It's one of us. <laughs> exactly. You uh you keep going. I'm gonna Google Colts quarterback. All right. We have the Packers and the Lions as well. Yeah. You see, this is gonna be a battle of who's going to make more mistakes. I think the Lions will make more mistakes. I think Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers is gonna get away a big W here. Sam Ellinger, uh, former Texas Longhorn, is the quarterback for the Colts, and I one million percent agree with you there. Chargers Falcons. We're actually going to do just read the entire slate. Okay, uh, Chargers are going to. Uh, Chargers are so fucking disappointing this year, man. Like this is this Falcons somehow are closer to the playoffs than the Chargers because the Falcons play in a dog shit division. So yeah, right. this is a stinky game. I would not bet on it. My undercard of the week is this: the Jets over the Bills. Oof, that is a bold, bold upset pick. The Jets are looking good, but Buffalo looks like the best team in football. That's a tough one, homie. Yeah, I know, but you know me. You know me. I always take that risk. It's rare that yeah. I take that risk. I might actually put money on that game. Uh, we got Vikings, Commanders, meh. 
Yeah, not much to say about this one. It's the Kirk Cousins Revenge Bowl. Panthers, Bengals. Bengals are kind of looking like they're in deep trouble. They need to win this game against the Panthers. All right, got to ask you a question. Will the Raiders actually score a point against the Jaguars this week? Yeah, I uh, I think so. The Jaguars, their defense is, uh, it leaves a little bit to be desired. They'll give up some points. The Raiders will get on the board. Dolphins, Bears. I would like to check out the weather in this game. Chicago has been having some weird weather games in the season, and I, I feel like the Dolphins, I don't know, like if it's a stinky, rainy game, it could really hurt the vertical offense that the, the Dolphins like to uh, implore. The Bears have a really good run attack. This is, a, this is kind of a weird matchup for the Dolphins. I don't love it. Yeah, there's potential for it to be a L, but, you know, you never know. It really depends on the weather. Go figure. Uh, Seahawks, Cardinals. Uh, again, somehow the Seahawks are ahead of the Cardinals this year. The Seahawks look really, really good. This could be could be a game where the Seahawks are a very popular pick and the Cardinals are actually just a better team and they win. Yep. All right. Here's a game that on paper, when the schedules came out, the money makers, the marketing people, the station managers were all salivating. But now they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Rams, Buccaneers. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I know what you mean. Kind of like booking, uh, I don't know, CM Punk versus Sammy Guevara in March. You know what I mean? You'd think that would be a main event anywhere in the country, but maybe not so much anymore. And it ends up being Jeff Jarrett's return. (laughs) Oh, geez, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, (laughs) don't piss me off, Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, this game this game is stinky, and I will not watch a second of it. Who would have thought that that's what we would say about Rams versus Bucks? Right? You're reigning, defending Super Bowl champions against, you know, the team that could always end up in the Super Bowl. Go figure that. It's going to be a stinky game. All right, the Sunday nighter is the Titans versus the Chiefs. Yeah, Titans, uh, Malik Willis made his first start. Might be the end of the Ryan Tannehill era. He might get uh, might get usurped by the young kid when he's healthy. But, yeah, he's out with injury right now anyway. I think the Chiefs will crank the Titans, though. Yeah, and the Monday nighter is the Ravens versus the Saints. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, quarterback Lamar Jackson at AEW tonight. It was nice to see him. Ravens should crush here as well. Uh, not to not to cast aspersions aspersions here, Boris. And I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but holy shit, did Lamar look stoned on Dynamite today? They got to him in the crowd, and he looked like he was fucking blitzed. He looked either one of two things, and I'm hoping it was stoned. He looked either absolutely <laughs> blitzed or absolutely why the fuck am I here right now? Yeah, that's a really good point. He might have been completely over it and just embarrassed and like, God, oh, get this camera off of me. But I think I, my read on it was this man just smoked a huge blunt before he came in here. Yeah. And uh, either way, either way, it made me laugh. Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, so that is the week. That's week nine coming up. That is football. All right. Right before we get and move on, I want to like we've given our predictions for the NFL, uh, for the NHL and the NBA, man. If things go the way that they're going for the first few games of the season for both the NFL or NHL and the NBA, our playoff picks are absolutely demolished. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll be fine, I think, long term. But yeah, there's uh, the Leafs are looking pretty bad. There's a couple teams who look quite disappointing. Boston Bruins, who we were out on, are absolutely cranking it in the NHL. They were, uh, they are pissed off that so many people, so many idiots like us, wrote them off. But yeah, it's uh, Lakers look like garbage. Brooklyn Kyrie Irving is tweeting out anti-Semitic shit and then say, then gaslighting us into saying he's not. Just uh, strange times in professional sports. Yeah, and like, it's not. It's barely November. It's not even Remembrance Day yet. Exactly, it's not even Remembrance Day, and there's already been uh, you know Steve Nash is out as coach of Brooklyn. Like that doesn't shock me, considering everything that happened in the summer. It just goes to show you, right? Like. All those rumors were probably where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Because if you remember in the summer, you know, there was a lot of talk about uh, Kevin Durant versus Steve Nash. Durant didn't want Steve Nash. It's either him or me. That led to a lot of the speculation of possible trade. Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised they lasted this long with them, honestly. But if you're Steve Nash, you're getting a, a fat severance package to no longer have to deal with Kyrie Irving. I'm, I think he's probably pretty happy today. And maybe uh, the rumors that Ime Udoka, former Celtics coach, who was currently suspended by the Boston Celtics, might be the next coach of, of uh, Brooklyn. That would be crazy if it happens. I I, I I got nothing. I honestly have nothing to say on that one, right? Like, it's just, sure, whatever. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, at this point, it's, like, so crazy it just might work. What else do you have to lose? Like, obviously, Steve Nash wasn't the voice they needed. Um, I, I don't know, man. Who knows what Kyrie and, and KD want, but it, I, I feel like they might respect Ime. I did not even might. They will respect Ime more than they did Steve Nash. They would have to. That's like if they respect Ime one percent, they've respected him more than they respected Steve Nash. Yeah, dude, it was so sad hearing Steve Nash like him basically saying, uh, or the reports coming out that in his exit interview, uh, basically the last couple games, they weren't even listening to him anymore. Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. Honestly, like I love Steve Nash, but also he kind of both sides the whole like anti-Semitic Kyrie thing. So eh, kind of fuck him. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, he'll he'll be back. He'll bounce back. He'll end up on TV. Maybe he'll coach a soccer team. Even he's he's been a lifelong soccer fan and arguably was a better soccer player than he was basketball player. And he won two NBA MVPs. So who knows? That- Steve Steve Nash. Yeah. He claims Nash he's a better is, soccer is, player. Right, right. I, who knows? That might be true. Anyway, uh, Nash is in no trouble at all. I'm I'm positive he is in a better place mentally today than he was two weeks ago. So all the best to you, Steve Nash, other than that weird anti-Semitism thing. That's not something to both sides us on. Exactly. All right, so that is essentially all of the sports talk that we have. I think it's time I do for want us to. to uh, oh, whoa, 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 uh, hey, oh, wait, hey, oh, wait, go ahead. Yeah, just just uh, put a, a fine point on the whole World Series thing. Houston did pitch a combined no hitter against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia, Game Four of the Major League Baseball World Series 2022. So the World Series is now tied at two games apiece, uh, and we're going back to Houston. For game five. Uh, isn't it 2-3-2? Two, two? It is 2-3-2. Two, two. Sorry, game six and seven. So the next game is in Philadelphia. The series will not end in Philly, though. It has to end in Houston. We are going back. Yeah, and if it goes the way that it's going, 
uh, Philly's going to win in Game 7 because they seem to be just trading games at this point. I'd be very okay with that. Philly breaking the hearts of Houston in Houston in Game 7. Let's do that. Let's do it. All right, so that is sports, Matt. I don't have any entertainment this week, so let's chat some sports entertainment. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan, buddy. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get we'll get back with the uh, the whole Christmas vibe as that comes in uh, in December. Yep. All right. So let us do this. We have two things. I have a fantasy booker this this uh, this week. You have the Bray Wyatt list. Let's bookend the wrestling chat with special one offs. All right. So let's do the fantasy booker first. All right, you know, this has been a staple of the law of SNME radio. This has been a staple of a lot of things, and I wanted to bring it back because I've been in a lot of discussions. Matt, I don't know about you, but when we're chatting, or sorry, when we're watching wrestling, I get messages constantly, which I love. Like, I love, you know, it, whether it be on the uh, the Facebook group or just DMs. People are always sending messages, and I'm constantly talking to people as I watch a wrestling show. And the only time I don't reply quickly is when I'm taking notes. Uh, so a lot of people, especially after last week's AEW Dynamite, were wondering where is all this MJF and Mox stuff going? Yeah, I, I also, yes, I definitely shout out to uh, all my wrestling fan friends out there. Definitely do get some, especially when random shit will be happening. Like, oh, you just see this? Oh, did you see this MJF promo? Whatever. But yes, yes, man. Uh, it is quite quite the conundrum amongst wrestling fans. Do you turn MJF babyface? Do you turn MJF babyface? All right, so let's go through this scenario. There are some assumptions and assumptions that need to be made, and I'm going to make those assumptions as we go along. So I'm going to fantasy book John Moxley versus MJF, and essentially it will end with MJF getting the belt. But when? All right. All right. Ooh. Let's go through this. All right. Mox and MJF. So let's assume that Mox keeps this workhorse gimmick going. Let's assume MJF goes on this... Uh, you know, the, the, the same trajectory that he has been going, where he's essentially a tweener at this point, leaning more towards a face, I guess, after what happened last week. Zero follow-up on that. That's fine. Uh, but it is what it is, right? All right. Now, the easy thing here would be for John Moxley losing the title because he wrestles too much he's been wrestling every tv show he's in all these eliminator eliminator matches he's getting his ass kicked constantly um you know so you can make a quick assumption that he is going to out wrestle himself go into full gear tired right that's an easy assumption and it makes sense but in this scenario let's 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 review let's let's take the rocky three route in rocky three rocky was a fighting champion but he got complacent. He got cocky. Uh, he he got complacent in his position as champion. And kind of, you know, there were no opponents to his caliber. In my scenario, MJF, however, is going to be Rocky. And John Moxley is going to be Clubber Lang, the villain of Rocky Three. All right. So 
essentially what we're seeing right now, the reason why I say John Moxley is going to be playing the Clubber Lang role is because he's just kicking ass, beating people up. You know, he, he's he's winning matches. He's proving himself. He's the fighting champion, um, you know, and, and kind of has that fight mentality that Clubber Lang had. MJF, though, he rarely wrestles. Maybe we see him once a quarter. Maybe. So let's have him even go as far to say that he's not even training that hard for this match, right? Because in, it, w when he won the poker chip, he already assumed that he would eventually win the title. So let's continue that trajectory, say that he's getting cocky, barely wrestles. And then you got John Moxley, wrestles hard, fighting champion at full gear. This is what's going to happen. At full gear, John Moxley is going to beat MJF clean in the middle of the ring in a brutal match. He gains. However, at this point, you know, you see Regal kind of kind of kind of kind of smiling at MJF's direction. He he kind of respects him because of the fight that he put. Um, you know, this essentially makes MJF disappear. Mox continues doing what he does, being the fighting champion throughout this entire time. MJF kind of moves out of the limelight, disappears for a few weeks um, as he regroups himself. At winter is coming, Mox retains against whomever, it really doesn't matter at this point, and MJF comes back and starts wrestling more starting then. Instead of wrestling once a quarter, you start seeing him keeping up with the same schedule as John Moxley. You know, in his promos, he can talk about training. In his promos, he can talk about taking things more serious, how he's a wrestler, not an entertainer. You know, how he uh, respects the ring and, you know, being the world champion. It has been his ultimate goal uh, since he was a child. You know, this doesn't even need to be a weekly thing, but essentially he needs to wrestle more than he's wrestling right now for this scenario to actually happen. This keeps... William Regal intrigued. He's liking this. He's liking the, the fight that he's seeing and the determination and the commitment that he's seeing out of MJF at this point. Then at Revolution, the two uh, you know, don't even need to be feuding this entire time. But on the road to Revolution, we get the rematch. MJF Moxley number two. Mox at this point is tired because he's been the fighting champion for over, um, you know, for a quarter of the year at this point. MJF at this point is being smart about how he's training, who he's wrestling. He's taking wrestling a lot more serious. And it's at Revolution in February, March, uh, where MJF clearly beats Moxley in another brutal match. Um, and this now opens the door. For John Moxley to take his time off, and it opens the door for Regal to take over uh, and being aligned with MJF. And at this point, out of a pure respect angle, MJF is a clear babyface moving forward as your super champ. Moxley takes time off. Regal and MJF drive off into the sunset, and that's how this is going to go down. Uh, okay, I don't. I, I like the idea a lot. The only problems are, uh, I like it more in any other company. Tony Khan already takes way too long. He just, the AEW stories already are too long, too dragged out. 
I yeah. don't want to see this one dragged out another three months. Just just for that reason. Just because of where the company it is. Also, it'd be a big ask if Moxley is supposed to lose at full gear. It would be a big ask. Hey, can you wait another three months? Don't get six weeks off around Christmas. Actually get six weeks off in February <laughs> instead. Yeah. I think I, I think MJF is winning this belt at full gear. That's when Moxley takes his time off. I don't think I until they uh turned the firm on MJF, I thought MJF was gonna go heel and William Regal was gonna turn on the Blackpool Combat Club and align himself with with Maxwell Jacob Friedman. That's not happening anymore, I don't think. I think MJF is just gonna be a straight up babyface. I think he's going to win the title and be a babyface. We'll see. I don't know. I I just really think I don't know. I and 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 I I I, I kind of like see I, why. I like he, your idea. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I can see why you want to pull the trigger at at full gear. I just really don't think it's going to happen. I really do not think it's going to happen. Um, look, MJF wasn't even on the show today. Like that that that's you're you're just again extending this longer and longer there's a huge gap now like you know what happened last week is he a face is he a heel right like they're on purposely dragging this out so i don't know what obviously we don't know what the plan is but i just really right now more and more that i think about it do not think that mox is or mjf is going to win at full gear that's really interesting. And like you said, maybe they do it this way and that's how they get mjf wrestling on tv more. My thought was he just will. He just will have to be the one doing all the matches, doing the eliminator match, fighting the guy who wins the monthly tournament in AEW. Like you, Moxley fights probably eight out of ten dynamites, and that's what the world champ is going to do. I think ever since Hangman Page, uh, Tony Khan has kind of learned his lesson, and he wants to keep his world champs busy. And MJF, once he wins that belt, that's when he's going to start working every week. Yeah, that that's at the end of the day, that's what's gonna happen. What whatever he wins, you know, let's just say whether it be full gear or revolution, MJF is gonna be wrestling a lot more because I think you're right that TK Tony Khan has learned that your champion needs to be featured. He needs to be the main point, uh, the the main focus of your wrestling show because that's what a world champion should be. Yes, absolutely, positively, and that is one thing that at this moment AEW isn't arguably doing really, really well. There's no shortage of John Moxley, and that's great. There shouldn't be. He is your ace. Exactly. That's exactly. And on top of that, he's like the ace, right? Like he's the guy for the next few years, as long as he's an in-ring competitor, right? Like uh, he's kind of solidified himself as the go-to guy for AEW. Yes, they're telling us explicitly that he is the man, the wrestler of the year, the best in the world right now. Yeah. All right. So that is this week's Fantasy Booker. We're not going to do it every week. We're not, you know, we'll do it uh, when something major comes up. But it's not always going to be Matt and I doing it. This is where the patrons can have your say. If you're a patron, uh, send me a message. We can record a segment. Tell us what you want to fantasy book and we'll get you on bam and you can do your thing awesome love it definitely yeah i think uh we, we have we have some friends at the program it would be awesome to get on and uh yeah do a little fantasy book hey, i love that idea buddy 
All right. So that is Fantasy Booker. Let's let's chat some wrestling. Uh, let's start with Impact Wrestling. This was from last Thursday's show, aired October 27th on Access TV. All right. Quickly, Scott Damore, he's talking on the headset. Mike Bennett, Matt Taven come into the room. They go back and forth. Long story short, the kingdom gets fired. That's how they get written off of Impact TV. Oh, there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, it was kind of so anticlimactic. I would have honestly just left it with them getting their ass kicked by PCO uh, the week before. Uh, it kind of anticlimactic, and it's kind of they kind of look like chumps getting fired. Yeah, you know, there's like this thing happening a lot in wrestling lately. I don't mean to criticize Tony Khan too much. I feel like Tony Khan is leading the charge against this, where there's a lot of bureaucracy in wrestling, lots of lawyers and trademarks. And this and that. And it's okay to write somebody off with a fucking beatdown. You don't need to you don't need to show them getting their walking papers. You don't need to actually write up a pink slip and show us. You can just have them get beaten up and leave. This is you know, I think I think this is part of the reason why having this open door policy can be a detriment to a promotion because well you know they want stuff to kind of make sense all around, right? So I think that this is the reason why they do that. Anyways, let's jump into the first match. Alan Angels versus Trey Miguel in a first-round match of the Impact X Division Championship Tournament. All the tournaments and all the wrestling. Yeah, friggin', yeah. I used to love a tournament, but even I, who loves sports, loves a tournament in wrestling in real life, I'm getting pretty sick of tournaments. I am the, the foremost fan of tournaments ever in wrestling, and even now I'm like rolling my eyes at them now. Same. All right. This is a very short match, but a very fun match. Trey Miguel ends up beating Alan Angels after he reversed a discus lariat into a scorpion kick and then hitting um, a page turner on Alan Angels for the win in eight minutes, 15 seconds. Again, very fun, entertaining match. Wish it went longer. Nice. I'm glad to see Alan Angels getting some television time, though. That's why he left AEW and Impact scooped him up. I'm glad they're using him. Yep. All right. Uh, the whole who done it did Billy Ray actually beat up um, uh, Ace Austin. So Chris Bay and Ace Austin are walking around backstage looking for uh, Bully Ray. They end up finding Tommy Dreamer. Bay demanded that Bully apologize to Ace for jumping him in the back. This is where we are in wrestling, my friend. You beat me up, so I demand an apology. Yeah, right. Like it kind of kind of fits in with what we were saying a couple minutes ago, although it's a different point. But it's like the cousin of that point. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like too much talk and too much bureaucracy. It's okay to just not have to over explain something and do these dumb little promos, man. Lots of Bully Ray in impact. I do think Bully Ray's underrated. He has a lot to offer a company even in 2022, but not in the fucking main event scene, guys. Not in the main event scene. Yep, all right, so Bully denies it. He says, you know, it wasn't him. Bay challenges Dreamer to a match later. Bully thanked Dreamer for having his back and that uh, he'll have Dreamer's back later on the show. Dreamer said that Bully needs to not assist him because him helping Dreamer might fuel um, the Bully doubters. Too convoluted. This, like, again, back to your point, too convoluted of a story. Yeah, exactly. Convoluted is the word for it, buddy. Yep. All right. Uh, Giselle Shaw, Deanna Perrazzo, and Chelsea Green were psyching each other up for their six 
women tag match later in the show. Green stressed that Mickey's career can end in this match. Remember, if she loses, she's out. Deanna Perrazzo said she and Green can go for the tag titles later on. Jaw said she might go for the knockouts title. Green and Perrazzo shut that idea down. All right, the next match was Tasha Steeles with Savannah Evans versus Rachel Shield. Rachel Shield wins in one minute. 57 seconds. Your former really? knockout champion, Tasha Steeles, took the L. Wow. Tough beat for Tasha. Jesus. Yep. 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 So this was a DQ finish. Regardless, it doesn't matter. It's just tough beat for Tasha Steeles, your former champion. Uh, essentially, what happened here uh, was there, like, again, there was a DQ. That was that. Uh, so, yeah, sure. All right. The Impact Tag Team Champions Heath and Rhino met up with Motor City Machine Guns backstage. They're giving Heath and Rhino slow golf claps. Shelly reminded them that Heath and Rhino promised them a tag title shot if they won, which they did. Heath agreed and told them to sh take the request to management with their blessing. Heath said he couldn't wait. Uh, the guns were going to Demore's office. The major players were already there to request a title shot. The guns and players bickered back and forth like women. Again, all the talking. Like, like what's going on, guys? So, so much talking. Settle stuff in the ring. Scott Demore came out, oh. told them all to stop bickering. Um, Demore booked Cardona and Shelly in a match for later in the show. Shelly argued that Myers and Cardona ruined it for everybody. Yeah, not that I dislike a promo. I like a promo as much as the next man, but just like it, we all saw the the clip of Bobby Fish telling jokes to absolute crickets. I feel like yeah, there's, there's almost too many promos in, in some wrestlings in some wrestling shows these days. Yep, agreed. Chris Bay versus Tommy Dreamer. Uh, this match. What? Yeah, Chris Bay versus Tommy Dreamer. Okay, <laughs> please go on. This one went through a commercial. We got about seven minutes of actual TV time. Uh, Dreamer rolls up Bay for a two count. When Bay was distracted with Bully Ray, Bay caught Dreamer with a hook kick, followed it up with a springboard cutter for the win. So Chris Bay wins. We a distraction. Kind of, come on, guys, come on. Let's put at over least, these young guys. Yeah, at least he won. At least he pinned Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis cut a promo backstage about challenging all tag teams in Impact as they try to go for the tag team titles. So the, the tag team division right now is really heating up, really looking good. All right. Again, another talking segment. Bully Ray yelling at Tommy Dreamer backstage about how he's trying his no. best to gain everyone's trust. So impact impact ratings have have stagnated a little bit. Some people have criticized impact for being boring, unspectacular, and they have responded with Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray in numerous segments in 2022. This is the third, fourth segment with these two guys. Ah, come on. Tommy Dreamer reassured Bully that he trusts him, and if people are watching the show which no one is, they should be trusting him too. Bully said he's going to beat down Moose next time Moose gets involved. Bully paced around a bit, cooled down. Dreamer thanked Bully for calming down. <sighs> <laughs> well, if you liked ECW in 1996, how would you like to see it uh, 26 years later? 
Always ready, Matt Cardona with Brian Myers <laughs> versus Alex Shelley with Chris Sabin. This match only oh. went eight minutes, 42 seconds. Dude, that's match a was... match that I. Yeah, please. Uh, that's a match I did not know I needed to see. Zack Ryder versus Alex Shelley. Let's do it. It was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. So uh, Myers tosses the digital media title to Shelley to force the ref to take it from Shelley. Cardona got a two count off a small package. After the referee pulled the belt from Cardona, Shelley hit Cardona with a DDT on the belt for a near fall. Uh, Rerolt said that the machine guns keep strike uh, skirting the rules. Hannafin yelled, what? Sabin and Myers took each other out at ringside. Shelley rolled up Cardona for another two count while the referee was telling the timekeeper that it was a two count. Myers nails Shelley in the head with the belt. Cardona rolls up Shelley for the win. Convoluted ending, overbooked ending, but it was a pretty good match. Cool, yeah. Maybe I'll try to find that one on the old interweb. I'm kind of interested to see that pairing. Yep. Uh, Cardona and Myers put the boots to the guns after the match. Heath and Rhino run out, cleared the heels from the ring. Heath and Rhino stood tall as Rhino's theme played. So there you go. Looking like we can get yes. a three-way here. Awesome. Stay tuned next week for top 300 Heath Slater matches. I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's not up. <laughs> oh, my God. Josh Alexander and Rich Swan were chatting backstage. Swan said he knows the stress Josh is going through because he's a former world champion. Remember that? Remember when Rich Swan was a world champion? Oh, my God. I do. He had an amazing match with Kenny Omega. Yeah. Gail Kim showed up and wanted to talk to Josh on the side. Rich left. Gail Kim said that he actually has positive words for Bully Ray because Bully taught her the most out of anybody in the business. Uh, Gail said that Bully also told her not to trust anyone in the business. Uh, Gail said that he just wants to advise Josh to watch his back. More back and forth. For real. For real, something we should do at one one of these weeks is top 10, 15, Gail Kim. Like, yeah. Gail Kim needs her flowers. We yep. should we should uh, shout out the great Canadian Gail Kim. Yep. All right. Frankie Kazarian and Joshua Alexander were um, uh, recovering from a brawl. Macklin essentially shows up. Stuff happens. Frankie Kazarian and Joshua Alexander were left alone. Uh, they're going back and forth. Kazarian said Josh only has to worry about him at overdrive. Uh, Kaz was leaving. Josh joked about Kaz looking for tag partners now. Josh said he and Kaz are from two of Impact's best tag teams, the North and Bad Influence. Josh said that to reinforce the trust he has in Kaz now, they should team up and accept Aussie Open's open challenge that they laid out earlier. Kaz agreed, and the two men fist bump. Interesting match on paper there. That could be really good. Joe Hendry versus Raj Singh. Again, Joe Hendry, just awesome character. Love, I love some Joe Hendry. He won one minute, 47 seconds. Yeah, we need, we need someone to throw together like a good hour-long Joe Hendry in 2022 or the last couple of years compilation. I want to see everything this man has done in wrestling in the last couple of years. Yep, Eric Young and Dean are backstage. They're chatting, uh, basically hyping up his match against Sammy Callahan next week. Mickey James, Jordan Grace, and Taylor Wilder were warming up backstage. Uh, the camera then cuts to Eddie Edwards getting mic'd up for a sit-down interview. Dude, this episode is just a lot of non-wrestling, as you can see. Yeah, holy crap. Also, Boris, how far ahead do they tape these shows? And also, do we know how long that's... 
Zachary Callahan is signed because there's a there's a hacker running around NXT these days. Could Tyler Scripps Bates. Tyler Bates? Oh my God in heaven! I'm about to close my computer. Could <laughs> Scripps be Solomon Crow himself, Boris? Scripps, Scripps, Solomon Crow. They both have an S and a C. Then it's just the rips. <laughs> Solomon Crow rips. <laughs> He he does rip. Oftentimes, he rips baseball bats in opponents' faces for real. Oh my gosh! Um, all right, we get the Gia Miller sit down interview with Eddie Edwards. You know, this is Eddie Edwards is talking about honor no more, talking about his family, uh, kind of putting an end to the whole honor no more stuff. He said that honor no more put a strain on his marriage. Uh, Gia asked if Eddie. Uh, if he would do things in retrospect, Eddie said, of course he would. He said that Honor No More's mission was righteous, and if they were allowed to succeed there, um, you know, there wouldn't have been issues between he and Alicia. He's just trying to shine a light on there being no honor in the industry. Eddie Edwards promo. Long sit down with Eddie Edwards. I, it was long. If I can get... Give me a Bully Ray promo for the love of God. No, I'm just kidding. Don't don't give me any more Bully Ray. I love your peanut gallery comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's a good TNA review we have going on. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. I don't even have the notes in front of me. I just peanut gallery your findings on the <laughs> TNA program. <laughs> All right, main event. Was it the main event? Yeah, that was the main event. Was it the main event? Yeah, it was the main event. All right, main event. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy, buddy. Deanna Perrazzo, Chelsea Green, and Giselle Shaw versus Mickey James, Taylor Wilde, Jordan Grace. All right, this match was really good. There's one. There's another match outside of the Trey Miguel match that you're going to watch. It should be the six-woman tag team match. Went about 14 minutes. Mickey James, Taylor Wilde, Jordan Grace ends up winning. Uh, Shaw picked up the knockouts title. Um, sorry, so... Uh, this happened. Mickey James hit Peraza with a seated senton for a two count. Peraza escaped a Mick DT attempt. VXT then managed to hit James with a doomsday blockbuster. Wild and Grace broke up Green's pin on Mickey. Shaw dumped Grace and Wild uh, to ringside. Shaw then picks up the knockouts title. Belt to pose with it. Grace tackled and put the boots to Shaw. Green and Peraza went for a double suplex on Mickey James. Taylor Wilde then gave Peraza a spear, which allowed Mickey to hit Green with the Mick DT for the win. That's how they won the face team of James, Wilde, and Grace posed to close the show. Oh, wait, wait. So uh, as we already have said, Mickey James. The Ric Flair, the nature boy Mick Flair gimmick, where if she loses, she retires, right? Did, did, did those rules count for this trios match? Like, her partners would have let her down and ended her career had so she lost? They didn't officially say that, but the heels of VXT and Giselle Shaw hinted earlier in the show, if you remember, that Mickey's career could end tonight. So, yeah. Right. Well, that's kind of. I, I feel like they could have, they could have maybe maybe put a finer point on that. I, I didn't watch the show, obviously, but in, just in, in the way you're explaining it, they could have maybe uh, added some stakes to the match by putting a point on that. Wouldn't that be a fun angle if one day that's kind of how it? I like if the Trent Seven Tyler Bate thing actually ended with Tyler Bate losing and Trent Seven actually did retire. You know what I mean? Like that could have been an interesting little twist on it. Yeah, yep, but we'll never know exactly how all of that ends. 
We never will. No. So, yeah, that is your impact show for the week. Yep, that is my impact show for the week. Oh, well, love it, buddy. When's the next uh, thing that they do? The next premium live event, if you will. I believe it is Friday, November 18th. Yes, the day before full. That's on the 18th. It's Overdrive. My God. Frankie Kazarian. Josh Alexander. World title match. Finals of the X Division Championship. Nice. True, true, true. Yeah, that's going to be a good show. I, I'll, I'm i going to for sure watch Alexander versus uh, Frankie Kazarian. I was just going through our top 122 list, and I think I actually bumped up Josh Alexander versus Eric Young a spot or two. That match is brilliant, man. That match was so good. One of the best matches of the year in our top 25 right now. Yep. It's, it's a good one, man. It honestly is a good one. All right, so let's quickly talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. They were in New York City last week. Uh, cool. You know, so I'll just quickly go through the card. Tell you yeah, this was, what I thought of the match. Okay, uh, this was Rumble at 44th Street, right? The Rumble on 44th Street. This was the New York, New Japan show. You started off. I'm going to go refill my water. I'll be right back, buddy. All right, so there were two shows, actually. There was the night before, and then there was the actual 44th Street. Let's quickly run through uh, the night before, which was on October 27th. The first match was a tag team match, the Forever Hooligans versus uh, the DKC and Kevin night uh this match was all right um went 16 minutes two seconds dkc and kevin knight end up winning a uh, pretty good match overall uh the second match was a non-title match for the strong open weight champion as fred rosser went up against crowbar none other than crowbar uh you know uh Fred Rosser ends up winning in 14 minutes, 43 seconds. This match wasn't the best, but it was kind of cool seeing uh, Crowbar there. Uh, after the match, Fred Rosser gets on the mic, and he asks, who's next? That's when Jonathan Gresham makes his way to the ring. Gresham says he came all the way out of here to say he admires Rosser on the way he came back to professional wrestling and became the champion on strong. Gresham goes on to say that tomorrow night he will step in the ring with Rosser for the strong openweight title. And what that means for Rosser is he has to out-wrestle, outsmart, and outclass the best wrestler in the world. But he won't as Rosser shakes his hand. All right. The next match was a non-title match for the strong openweight tag team championships. Aussie Open versus the SAT. Aussie Open ends up winning this match. Uh, oh, this was an okay match. Uh, so the SAT. So th- this match was all right. Like SAT would looked a little weak. Aussie Open looked great as they always do. The next match was a fatal four-way match. Mighty Manti versus Smiley versus Mascara Dorada versus Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey won this match. This was my, uh, you know, this match and the next match were, I would say, equal on par as my favorite match of the night. Uh, But this one was really good. Mike Bailey, seeing Mike Bailey in a New Japan strong ring is always good. The next match was Tracy Williams versus Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki ends up winning this one in 13 minutes, 14 seconds. This one is a half-decent match. I would put this just above the Mendoza line. wasn't anything special. Then we had a King of Pro Wrestling 2022 champion, Shingo Takaki versus Jake Something. This is, again, another non-title match. Uh, Shingo ends up winning in about 15 minutes. 
this was a pretty entertaining match. You know, Shingo's Shingo's pretty good. Jake something is pretty good. Uh, the chemistry was a little weird at times, but overall, I think that this match worked. All right. After this, we had a 12-man tag team elimination match. Bullet Club and Team Filthy versus Chaos, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Homicide, and Amazing Red. In 30 minutes, Chaos, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Homicide, and the Amazing Red wins. Your sole survivors were John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Fun match. So the last three matches were really fun. You had the 12-man elimination match. Uh, Minoru Suzuki versus uh, Tracy Williams uh, and Mighty Manti, Smiley, Mascara Dorada, and Mike Bailey. Those three matches were excellent, in my opinion. Those are the three matches that anyone should watch out for. All right, and this leads us into New Japan Pro Wrestling Rumble on 44th Street, October 28th. The first match was a tag team match, Cosmic Angels versus Kylie Ray and Tiara James. Uh, this was on the pre-show, Kylie Ray and Tiara James won in 12 minutes, meh, of a match. Uh, main card tag team match for the Never Open Weight Six-Man Tag Team Championship, uh, House of Torture versus Chaos. Um, so House of Torture ends up winning this match in seven minutes, 43 seconds this match was all right uh, i wouldn't i would i would rate this just below the mendoza line after the match yo would nearly take a wrench shot but the lights would go out and leo rush would make his new japan pro wrestling return to make the save he'd launch off some quick kicks and hit the 3k with yo uh, they'd lock eyes and you know essentially seems like they're going to be working as a team the next match was for the strong open weight tag team titles. This was a triple threat match. Aussie Open, your champions, versus the Motor City Machine Guns, versus the DKC and Kevin Knight. This match was excellent, and we crowned new champions as the Motor City Machine Guns are your new strong open weight tag team champions. This match was excellent. Really enjoyed this. Um... Motor City Machine Guns won. Uh, they would set up a Muda lock into a basement drop kick before connecting with a dirt bomb for the win. Very good stuff here. Uh, after the match, we'd hear from a returning Alex Hofflin, and he would call out the man who injured him, J.R. Kratos. Then he'd announce that he will return to the ring starting next month as part of the World Tag League. His partner, we're not sure who it's going to be, uh, so that remains a mystery still. All right, the next match was for the strong open weight title this match was set up last week as fred rosser went up against jonathan gresham your winner and still champion fred rosser 15 minutes pretty fun match um so we saw a bayonet elbow uh rosser taking took two of those before countering with a lariat for a near fall uh rosser then nails gresham to the mat with the sidewinder for the win and that's how it went down after that, we got an announcement that Battle in the Valley 2023 is set for February 28th, February 18th in San Jose, California. The next match was a six-man tag team match. Team Filthy versus Homicide, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. Homicide, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino won in 12 minutes, 15 seconds. Homicide hits a cutter on Lawler before a dive on the floor. Umino and Jorel Nelson were legal in the ring, and Umino would hit Swiss Death and the spinning neckbreaker before Death Rider for the win. 
The next match was Clark Connors versus Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki won in 15 minutes, 50 seconds. I believe that this match, in my opinion, went a little too long. Uh, Connors would try to force the submission, but Suzuki found the bottom rope. Jeep Flip was blocked with a knee strike before Suzuki got the choke applied. Nailed the gotch-style Paul Driver, which give, gave him the win. The next match was for the SWA world title match. It was Mayu Iwatani versus Kylan King. This this match was great. Perfect way to feature stardom talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling in the States. Uh, Mayu Iwatani ends up winning in 11 minutes, 47 seconds. We saw a big splash. King was still able to kick out of this. Busak kick into super kick would follow with King asking for more and getting another kick to the jaw. And then Iwatani hits the moonsault to put King away. Pretty good match. The next match, King of Pro Wrestling match, your champion Shingo Takaki versus El Fantasmo. We've seen this match a few times. Shingo Takaki ends up winning again. Shingo hits a chair-assisted pumping bomber before he hits the uh, CR3, CR2. Then a stage dream through a table would follow with El Fantasmo somehow finding his feet before a chair to the face and a hollow point on the chair for the win. Eh, this match was all right at best. Next match, Bullet Club versus 2022 G1 Climax winner Kazushka Okada and Eddie Kingston. Okada and Kingston tag teaming together. This match was a pretty good. Went a little long, 20 minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, we saw uh, Blade Runner would be blocked by Kingston, who hit a backdrop driver. Robinson would look for pulp friction, taking a backdrop instead. White and Robinson would keep Kingston grounded using chop blocks, but he'd keep on fighting while Okada recovered. Kingston blocked a low blow and hit the back fist to the future, only for White to hit another low blow. Robinson would hold Okada in place while White hits Kingston with the Blade Runner to get the win. Bullet Club ends up winning this match. Crazy match, to say the least. That was the main event of night two of the actual card for New Japan Pro Wrestling Rumble on 44th Street from October 28th, 2022. Matt, it is time to get to the list. All right. Yeah, it is time, Boris, for the main event, if I might be so bold as to call my own thing the main event. At least in terms of card placement, it is. Anyway, buddy, it's the top 15 Bray Wyatt matches. We intended to release this episode on Halloween, so using the spookiest wrestler in WWE would have made more sense. Yes, Makes it a little would. less sense on November 3rd. <laughs> Tranquilo, everyone. Tranquilo. <laughs> Are we still going to call this episode Graveyard Smash? Is Hells the question. Yeah. Hells yeah, we are. <laughs> Love it. Here's Okay, so let, let, let me play the, the, the devil's advocate because I know a lot of people, when they see the description, this is what they're going to say. Bray Wyatt has 15 good matches. <laughs> And the answer to that is yes, but like we said before, a lot of that, if you wanted to be a dick about it, you could say, well, 
he's got like three singles matches on this list. And well, that's true. Uh, but he is, he is actually like a crucial part of many of the multi-man matches we talk about. And some of them, it's a case by case basis. One or two of them, he gets lost in the shuffle and he's just lucky to be there, but we're going to talk about it. And at the end, we will kind of give our thoughts. I feel like if we think Bray Wyatt is indeed a good wrestler, I think he's perfect for WWE personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he he fits he fits that system as perfect as perfect can be. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So, uh, as always with our lists, I like to start with a couple matches off the post that didn't quite make it for whatever reason. The reason that these things didn't make the list usually is because they're awful. <laughs> they're quite terrible. But they need to be acknowledged in the history or the lore, if you will, the canon. Boris of Bray Wyatt. It's canonpodcast.com. That's where you can find everything geek and pop culture related. It's canonpodcast.com. Continue. Love where your head's at there. All right. So off the post must be acknowledged. July 8th, 2013, the debut of Bray Wyatt on WWE Raw shows up with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Merck's Kane. It's not a match, but it should be acknowledged in a list like this. When was this? This was July 8th, 2013, the debut of Bray Wyatt on the main roster. 2013. It makes sense, but it's crazy that it's been nine years of this craziness. That was just before I moved to Toronto. I moved to Toronto in September 2013. Wow. That's crazy, yes. dude. That is crazy. So basically, yes, sir. Yeah, anyways, yeah. No, that's okay. Cool, very cool, very cool. I, yes. you know, I would watch some NXT, and I remember him in NXT. That's why, I like, I, I, and I don't remember when he debuted, because that's when I was like on and off with wrestling. So, yeah, he was in NXT very, very briefly. Yes. Didn't really have even even a feud or anything, but he spent a lot of time in FCW. Anyway, uh, also off the post, Bray Wyatt versus Kane, the Ring of Fire match, SummerSlam 2013. This match is bad, but it's a heck of a debut still. Cool way to debut a character in this Ring of Fire match. But yeah, it, a very bad match. Don't go back and watch it. Yep. Cool. All right. We're going all the way to WrestleMania 33, 2017. Bray Wyatt, WWE champion versus Randy Orton. This was the match where maggots were projected onto the ring. And also Randy Orton uh, on his way to the ring had the sperm snake on the ramp there. So, yeah, this was a disaster of a WrestleMania world title match. <laughs> These are the top matches. Or is this top match? No, this still is still off the post. <laughs> These are still off the post. <laughs> Because I was going to say, if this is number 15, dear God, what are we getting ourselves into? <laughs> Must be acknowledged in the lure of Bray Wyatt. Uh, the lore, not the lure. There was nothing luring about this uh, absolute abomination. This was bad stuff. Yeah. This here, Here's something that's off the post that was actually kind of cool. In Toronto, the city in which we uh, reside and do this podcast, Boris, don't you know? Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, SummerSlam 2019. The debut, the debut of The Fiend with Bray Wyatt's Head Lantern, which was one of the coolest visuals WWE has ever produced. That was so fucking badass. Got a holy shit, got a this is awesome chant just for The Fiend's entrance in Toronto. Yep, this was a... Uh... This was the highlight, maybe 
possibly of that SummerSlam. That SummerSlam was pretty, it was okay, right? But I think everyone was really looking forward to the Fiend, and this was really the last time that we saw Finn Balor on the main roster until he came back from his NXT run last year. That's interesting. I hadn't even considered that, but you're bang on correct about that. And the last thing off the post, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton, TLC 2020 Firefly Inferno match, as Brian Alvarez so eloquently puts it, the Fiend was burnt to a crisp. And uh, that was the end of him for a little bit. And then he came back and then he was gone for like a year. Yeah. So he, he loses this match, gets burned. We don't see him anymore. Comes back once for WrestleMania, loses that match somehow, disappears again, gets released, and here we are in 2022. Uh, yeah, he's about to be fighting himself or his uncle, Howdy, and I hope to God that's not a euphemism. All right, so we're moving on to the list, Boris. The top 15 matches of Bray Wyatt's career. Do you have any thoughts before we begin? Oh, I was just going to say that Uncle Howdy just reminds me of old Greg from Mighty Boosh. I, I don't even, I don't understand the reference, but as long as it's not, uh, like I said, a euphemism for something else. Bray Wyatt beating up Uncle Howdy. Good enough for me, buddy. For once in my life, it was not a <laughs> euphemism. Very good. All right. Let's go to Monday Night Raw. This is Country Raw, Boris, from November 18th. 2013 it is a 12 man tag team match listen to this field boy how times have changed the baby face side of cm punk cody rhodes daniel bryan <laughs> gold dust and jay and jimmy uso versus the heel side of the shield dean ambrose roman reigns seth rollins and the wyatt family bray wyatt eric rowan and the late great luke harper 12 man tag team match just a ton of fun and uh started the uh started sowing the seeds of dissent between the wyatts and the shield which would pay off about six months later yeah this Oh, wow. Naming the names. That is crazy, dude. Just 10 years ago, man, and just like another universe there. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that, like, that is a multiverse match at this point. Crazy names. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, a ton of fun. 12-man tag. That was Nashville, Tennessee. Commentators on that match. Michael Cole, JBL, and Jerry the King Lawler. Lots of them on this list. Such as the next match. Oh, wait. So we're doing this in tiers like we always do. This is a three and a half spooky Bray match. Three and a half Uncle Howdy's out of five for this one. This next match also three and a half uh, Uncle Howdy's out of a potential five Uncle Howdy's Boris. So match number 14, Bray Wyatt versus John Cena, WrestleMania 30 from New Orleans, Louisiana. Commentators, Michael Cole, JBL, and Jerry the King Lawler. Highly underrated match. I thought it was good at the time. Went back and watched it for this list. I still think it is good. I like this match. I like this match a lot. Not their best match. Probably not their, obviously not their most memorable match, but this one was really good. No, and their best match and their most memorable match are two different matches, both on this list in a little bit. So that was a tier right there. Only two matches, three and a half stars. We're now going to another tier, four stars, four Uncle Spookies, four Ramblin' Rabbits 
out of five. These are all great matches, but for this tier, these are A minus matches. So if you wanted to be a dick about it, it's an A minus, only 80% in Canada. Match number 13, a ladder match for the vacant WWE title. Alberto Del Rio versus Bray Wyatt versus Antonio Cesaro versus John Cena versus Kane versus Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns versus Sheamus. WWE Money in the Bank. This is June 29th, 2014 from Boston. Uh, Daniel Bryan had vacated the WWE title after WrestleMania, and this was to crown the new champion. You know, I have to say, there's something to be said about the longevity of the wrestlers, of this current crop of wrestlers that we have. Absolutely. Other than Del Rio, everyone in this match, well, I guess Kane is the mayor of uh, Knoxville. Is it where we're yeah, scared of Kane the mayor of? One. Let's not talk about that <laughs> right yeah. now. Other than Kane and Del Rio, six of these guys are still going strong. I would say John Cena, I, though he's not a full-time wrestler, he's still going strong in the wrestling business, I would say. He still is a main eventer as soon as he walks in. He is, he is WrestleMania main event worthy to this day, which you couldn't say about a lot of uh, human beings in the history of the professional wrestling business. It is pretty crazy, man. It is pretty crazy. This is it match is. number 13. Eight, nine Four. years. Eight, nine years, yeah. and we're still talking about the same people that were in this match. They might be in different promotions, but they're all still wrestling and still seem pretty healthy. That's something to be said about you know the TLC, the tender loving care, not tables, ladders, and chairs of and, and you know the knowledge of taking care of yourself, et cetera, et cetera, that these wrestlers now have. That was the point I was trying Absolutely. to make. Absolutely, yeah, man, yeah, health, health, and wellness, yeah, and uh, definitely like the lifestyle. It proves that you can actually be a professional wrestler well into your 40s these days. So, yeah, this match is where John Cena won his, was it 15th or 16th? I just watched it. I believe this was 15. 15. This might have been 16, though. I think this no, was 15, was right? AJ. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. So this was uh, this was number 15 for John Cena. This was the authority was very, very annoying at this time period. Kane was in this match to help Ro- or to help Randy Orton who was with the authority as well, win. That was kind of the story. There's a lot going on in this match, though. It is it is very good. I would say it's great. Go back and watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Number 13, that was. We are moving on to number 12, the Elimination Chamber match where Bray Wyatt wins the world title in Phoenix, Arizona. It's Elimination Chamber 2017. Your combatants, AJ Styles versus Baron Corbin, versus Bray Wyatt, versus Dean Ambrose, versus champion John Cena, versus The Miz. That was your elimination chamber here. Mauro Ranallo, David Otunga, and JBL on the call. Mauro and JBL together again. Man, this match was so good. I remember just having, you know, at this point, this was like really the beginning of why am I still watching WWE, right? Like, um, I wouldn't say the beginning, but this was in the middle of that. And I just remember just feeling happy for Bray that he got this and the crowd reaction that he got on the following SmackDown was just so awesome. And then things went downhill on his title run. Yes, very quickly. But we will be talking about that SmackDown later on our list, buddy. Uh, but yes, number number 12, the crowning achievement of Bray Wyatt's career. A great match. There are better ones in his career, such as number 11, from the 2020 Royal Rumble, January 26th, the best match of the Fiends run and a 
Herculean effort by Daniel Bryan. This was Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend in a strap match for the WWE title, Royal Rumble 2020. Your commentators, Michael Cole and Corey Graves here. Yep. Remember this match really well, actually. This one was pretty good as well. Uh, Yeah. 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 Yes. I'm thinking of the right one. Yes. Go on. Yeah, Sorry. if you wanted to make if you wanted to make a Hall of Fame case with about Daniel Bryan, a good place to start is hey, the Fiend had one great match ever, and it was against Daniel Bryan. It was this match right here. Like he got a great match out of the Fiend, who killed Seth Rollins' career dead. But Daniel Bryan still got a good match out of him, a great match out of him, in fact. D- Daniel Bryan was the only one, including Randy Orton, right? If it wasn't for for Matt Riddle teaming up with Randy Orton right after the Fiend debacle. You know, we really, 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 the only person who survived The Fiend was Daniel Bryan. I think you're right about that, man. I think, yeah, Randy Orton got quickly buoyed by uh, Matt Riddle. But, yeah, the only person who really survived The Fiend's fucking reign of terror was Daniel Bryan himself. So, yeah, that's good enough for number 11 on our list. Amazing effort by Daniel Bryan there. Match number 10. This was the Dean Ambrose show. It is the Shield versus the Wyatt Family 3. So it is Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper. The third match from WWE Main Event. It is April 8th, 2014. Your commentators, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton for this one. So I believe Dean Ambrose shoot breaks a rib in this match, poor John Moxley, and he spends like the entirety selling, getting his ass kicked. Uh, this is a really entertaining, great match. But Dean Ambrose is by far the MVP of this thing. You know, that's the thing about D- Dean Ambrose. He always saw something in Dean Ambrose, right? Like he was always special in some shape way, or form throughout his WWE run. Uh, you know, so it, it doesn't surprise me that he's the ace of AEW, right? But like some of the performances in this one being one of them, his match against Triple H, uh, his match against when the Shield went up against each other the first time, you know, just superstar. Uh, and, and, and he had great chemistry with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he really did, actually. It's it's too bad that all their matches ended with dumb shenanigans and, like, spooky projections and exploding TVs and stuff, right? Yep, exactly. Because they did have some really good matches, but I couldn't include a single 1v1 Ambrose versus Wyatt match because almost every single one had the dumbest fucking ending. Yep, exactly. All right, so that was number 10 on our list, big homie. We're going to number 9. One of the most underrated matches of the past decade is this next match. I feel so strongly about this. I was disappointed to see Dave Meltzer's rating when he put it. I think it was only like three, three and a quarter. I love this damn match. Go back and watch it. Such great storytelling. Awesome action. It is the New Day versus the Wyatt family. Big E, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper from Battleground 2016, July 24th. 2016 michael cole byron saxton and jbl on the call yeah i think by this point a lot of people are just tired of this feud and all the shenanigans around the feuds and weird uh special matches that they were having so i think this match was um uh you know rated worse than it should have been 
because people were thinking of the entire feud. People were bored of this matchup, and you know, it, this was during the you know the the height of the WWE repetitive matches over and over, week in and week out. I accept that. I accept that argument. That makes a lot of sense. And watching it back in with like free of that context, just watching the match itself, it's much better than you remember. So I, I, I accept that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cool. All right, buddy. So that is the end of that tier. We are moving on to the next tier. This is four and a quarter star matches. 85%. Not just great, but something special. That is an important distinction here on BAM. The the difference between A minus and A. Yep. Cool. Let's hear it. Next match. This this first one. This is the hardest match to rate, not only in this list, but of all time. This is hardly a wrestling match, but there was still a winner. There, there was a pinfall. There was a one, two, three. And at the end of the day, I think I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep at night on my pillow if I didn't tell you this was something special. It's the Firefly Funhouse, Boris. It's Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. Even if it wasn't your cup of tea, I think you have to objectively acknowledge that this was something special in the wrestling business. Four and a quarter stars. For the Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt versus John Cena, WrestleMania 36, Night 2, April 5th, 2020, right when the pandemic was fucking up all our brains. Yeah, this was so good. This was so special. This was so different. Uh, This is peak Bray Wyatt. This is peak entertainment. This is the world wrestling entertainment. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Just go back and watch it. It's it, It'll make you laugh. It'll make you smile. I quite enjoyed this. The, one of the most creative things WWE ever, ever did. Number eight on our list. Number seven, this is a match we talked about on our, on our Toronto list, Boris. Both of you and I were live in the crowd for this one. It is the 10-man tag Raw versus SmackDown from Survivor Series 2016. So briefly again, that is Team Raw, Braun Strowman, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins versus Team SmackDown, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose, Randy Orton, and Shane McMahon. Memorable match because Shane McMahon gets a horrible concussion after Roman Reigns spears the piss out of him. Is this the same match where Jericho goes wild on Shane? Does Jericho go wild on Shane in this match? He no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it is. I think it is. I think this is the one where he, where Jericho just unleashes after getting some stiff punches. Jericho gives him some stiff punches and gives him just a nasty top rope drop kick that just like floored Shane. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, I think you might be right on this. Poor on Shane in this match. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Even if that's not the exact match where Jericho does, I, I remember this happening. We might be mixing two matches up. Regardless, Shane got more than enough ass kicking in this one. Yeah. All right. But another pretty good Bray Wyatt match. And again, you know, the, yeah, multi man match. But Bray, Bray Wyatt was featured high on our list. Yes. High rating. Let's keep it going. Yes, he was the, he and Randy survived. He ended the match by pinning Roman Reigns with his finisher in the middle of the ring. So yeah, a big, big moment for Bray. Match number six on our list is the Shield versus the Wyatt Family 2. This is the match from WWE Raw, March 3rd, 2014. Meltzer, we talk about Meltzer's rating sometimes. Meltzer actually rated this the the best match of the trilogy he gave this one four and a half stars and the other ones four four and a quarter and four 
Yeah. You know, this match uh, and, and the previous match, you know, with him literally pinning Roman Reigns in the middle of the ring, him having these standout moments and standout matches with Roman Reigns and, you know, the Shield. You know, Bray Wyatt was essentially the fourth biggest thing in the past decade of WWE aside from the Shield. <laughs> you might be right there, man. That's that's pretty It would be a fun debate. To, uh, to think about that, but yeah, I think you might be right. Writing so the first match... Writing that one down yeah, for a, yeah. a future episode of The Table. Love where your head's at. So the first Shield versus Wyatt's match, which we have not yet talked about, uh, the story of that match was the Wyatt family was just more together. The Shield was starting to get on each other uh, on each other's nerves. They were not on the same page in that match, and that's why they did not win. This second match was that story on acid. They were even less on the same page and it was even more obvious that they were hanging on by a thread and this match actually ends with Seth Rollins jumping off the apron when Dean Ambrose goes for a tag it was the first real sign of dissension in the shield like real like oh shit are they gonna break up and ended up working it out and staying together for like five six more months whatever it was but yeah this is a, a notable match and some people like it more than the very famous first match that they had yeah uh, I like this one the best, in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, that is number six on our list. Shields versus Wyatt 2. Number five on our list from the SmackDown after Bray Wyatt wins the WWF title from Anaheim, California. It's Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2017. AJ Styles versus Wyatt versus John Cena in a triple threat for the WWE title. Total forgotten gem here. This match fucking rules. Yeah, this match is excellent. I remember watching this match like live, uh, and it was like not live in person, just live when it happened, and it was a really good match. Uh, th- you know, hearing some of these matches makes me want to go back and watch some of them. Yeah, I definitely. That's why we do this list. If uh, if anyone else feels that way as well, please go back. I highly recommend this one. I recommend the next four even higher. That's what the point of the list is. But you got to check this match out if you've never seen it before. It is it is one of the best Wyatt performances. Looked confident. Looked like he belonged as a world champion. And they did a good job of like kind of doing the monster movie thing where they they kill off Bray Wyatt at the start. AJ and Cena have a really good 10 minutes. They have amazing chemistry. And then Wyatt comes back in and runs roughshod. It's a really entertaining 5-10 minutes there, too. So, yeah, great match here. Great structure. Love it. Very cool. Very cool. Man, the all-time hidden gem of this past decade is coming up next. Match number four on our list. It is the Fatal 5-Way match. From Extreme Rules 2017, number one contender to the Universal title at Great Balls of Fire. So the winner of this match faces Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. Your five men, Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Samoa Joe, who wins this match. This match is excellent. Bray Wyatt and Samoa Joe work together a lot of the match, doing like a tough mean guy thing. Just a ton of fun. Yeah, this match was a lot of fun. I remember watching this with my brother and then subsequently watching Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. This was when you uh, they should have they should have just pulled the trigger with Samoa Joe at this point. But they did. I one million percent agree. Going back to the theme and Bray Wyatt, I do like really I wish him and Joe had more time together in the ring. 
Yeah, it would have been cool to see them. Yeah, just I like them working together, but it would have been cool to see them work against each other a little more. But the Bray Wyatt Samoa Joe one night tag team was awesome. Great little story in this match. Ton of fun. That's number four on our list. All right, top three. Let's get to it. Yes, sir. We're entering the podium and Boris, a new tier. So we are now at four and a half stars, four and a half rambling rabbits. And the difference between that and the previous tier is these matches are all time classics. I think Bray has three all time classics under his belt so far. All right, let's hear it. We're going to start with number three, the first Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan match from the Royal Rumble. This is Royal Rumble 2014. This is January 26, 2014. This match fucking rules. We've talked about it a lot in the history of this podcast. We had a big list about all the Royal Rumble matches. If you haven't seen this one, this was Bray's first amazing match, obviously. Yep, this match was great. Super good. Uh, again, another person that had great chemistry with Bray Wyatt was Daniel Bryan. And they yeah. had such a good run together, especially like that whole is Daniel Bryan joining the family stuff. Like it was just such a good time for for, for the, these two, especially. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, Wyatt debuts SummerSlam 2013, Royal Rumble 2014 has maybe his best match of his career. And you could argue he never hit this height again. If that's your read on Bray Wyatt, I would not dispute that one iota. Uh, I think that makes total sense. Although, personally, I believe he has two matches that were even better. Here, Boris, number two on our list is the forgotten Bray Wyatt gem. This is the match that, that nobody remembers. This is his best singles match. Bray Wyatt versus John Cena... WWE Payback 2014. It is a last man standing match. That is from June 1st, 2014. Payback 2014. Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. Yeah, I don't remember this match well. I really don't. Uh, this go is back and watch it. Exactly. This is for sure a match that I'm going to go back and watch. Uh, listen, listen. I'm going to listen back to this show because there's a few that I've made a note of. I'm like, oh, I got to watch this one again or this one. I don't remember this one at all. Yeah, man, it was one that I didn't really remember at all. I was going back and reading some reviews and, and Googling some Bray Wyatt matches and stuff, and a lot of people at the time loved this one. I went back and watched it. Kind of blew my socks off. This match is awesome, and I certainly think it is Bray's best singles match as a WWE wrestler. The best 1v1 match of Bray Wyatt's career versus John Cena, last man standing, 2014 payback. Awesome. Very awesome. All right, let's get to it. Peter Patter, let's us. get out of this. Leaves us with number one. And uh, if you've been paying attention, you might know what it is. It is from the Elimination Chamber 2014. Shield versus Wyatt's one. An all-time classic. I think this is the first time ever in wrestling that I heard a holy shit chant for the entrance. For the for the post, the pre-match, sorry, stare down. Got a holy shit. Holy shit. The crowd was so excited to see this. It was built well. It delivered absolutely and completely. And I think Bray Wyatt specifically, I don't know if he was, I, I, his best day was probably the last man standing match, but he's he's pretty damn great in this match as well. It might have been the best day he ever had as a wrestler. This is just good stuff, man. Just a ton of fun. 
Very cool, very cool. I do remember this match very well. Really did like this one. Uh, not my favorite of the trilogy, but totally respect why you would put this as number one. Um, you know, and these are all really good matches. And, you know, it kind of sucks because, like, Bray Wyatt, uh, he's he's good. Great. one, Maybe one of the best, if not the best character in WWE period as a character, as a wrestler, you know. It, your mileage may vary, but the one thing that always got to me about the treatment of Bray Wyatt is how many losses, how many L's he took on big one-on-one -on -one matches. Yeah, it's true. Like, almost all of his big matches, Goldberg beat him, Undertaker beat him, John Cena at WrestleMania beat him. Like, almost all his big matches, especially yeah. in his first run. Exactly. That that's that's what really hurt him in that first run, right? Uh, they tried to fix this in with as the fiend, but the fiend was OP. He was overpowered. It was too he was too much, right? It's like how could anyone beat him at this point? Then you add the gimmick and the lights and all that, and it just really hurt the overall effect of Bray Wyatt. And but as a character, he's great. So let's see what this new run is going to get let's see what the bray wyatt six will be let's see what this uncle howdy stuff is i'm looking forward to it are you looking forward to it matt uh if he wrestles himself as uncle howdy no <laughs> but other than that i've liked i've liked the presentation so far i'm intrigued to see what he's going to do as a baby face i like the new theme song that he's got uh and we'll give it a chance at least Exactly, exactly. All right, so that is the show. Thank you so much, Matt, for the top 15 Bray Wyatt matches. Make sure that if any of these matches you did not watch, go ahead and watch them. Because a lot of these are yeah. they are actually really, really good matches. We rated them fairly high. Um, so go out, watch some Bray Wyatt matches. Let's see what comes of Bray Wyatt. Matt, we are... Coming to an end of another episode. Thank you so much for doing this list. Next week, I believe we have a couple uh, pretty pretty fun, pretty fun show coming at you. We are going to be talking some stardom. We're going to be talking some impact. And we'll see what else we can find. Uh, because it is the Stardom Hiroshima Goddess Festival this weekend. Nice. Yeah. Try to catch that stardom show for sure. Stardom always delivers and their big shows. And yeah, if we forgot a match that you seem to like, or if you think we overrated every single one and Bray Wyatt sucks, please let us know. Reach out either uh, the, the Twitter machine. We got a good Facebook group going. We're also on the SNME radio Facebook group, of course. And yeah, there's not going to be weekly lists for the next few months. Because we're building up that big top 122 of 2022 list. But I got an idea for an awesome little project after that. So starting in January, I think we've got a nice, a nice big project cooking up. That's going to be a ton of fun. Yep. Just remember this Saturday, the Crown Jewel Aftercast will be back November 19th for the Full Gear After Party. Then November 26th for the Survivor Series After Party. And we're still working out what the plan is for December 10th as ROH and NXT have pay-per-views that night. Uh, Year-end awards are going to be coming at you very soon. Patreon.com slash Radio. Go and support the show. Get all the wrestling shows. We thank you for listening. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Stay tranquilo. Yeah, it was very nice to talk some Luke Harper today on this list, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Shout shit